Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Patrick Woody. He's been with us a number of times in his role with the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center, an organization that uh, deals with uh, assisting the growth and the future of the 80 counties in North Carolina that are not in the real growth areas like Raleigh-Durham, Greensboro, and Charlotte, and so forth. Uh, and uh, his organization just does so many interesting things. We like to get an update. It's, uh, I think you said, what, represents 75% of the of the land area of North Carolina and 4.2 yes. million of North Carolina citizens live in those 80 counties, which is, uh, it, you know, that's, that 4.2 is bigger than of what, gosh, I guess almost uh, 30 states or 25 states or so. So uh, that's it is a lot right. of people. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things that's uh, being discussed right now is the American Rescue Plan. It's Congress is looking at a lot of discussion going on. Uh, uh, President Biden has proposed a very ambitious program. Uh, some think that it's probably too ambitious. Others say, well, no, we need to do all this stuff. So we want to talk about it. And uh, in particular, I, it looks like it would be on the surface to me, it would look like it would be very helpful to the, the 80 counties that you're working with. Uh, so tell me uh, just exactly how you're viewing and, and what you're looking at maybe happening as a result of whatever might come out of the American Rescue Plan. Yeah, well, we, we definitely live at a moment in time where there's going to be a level of investment that um, that we are not likely to see perhaps ever again in, in our lifetimes. And you know, and when I think about rural North Carolina and the economy of rural North Carolina and the infrastructure that serves rural North Carolina, um, that is that that those are the areas where we face our biggest challenges. And the America's uh, Rescue Plan Act, um, which gives money to all 50 states, it also appropriated money to every unit of local government, both town and county regardless of their size. So even our smallest rural municipalities and our smallest rural counties are going to get um, funding, one-time funding from uh, the ARPA um, Act. And it's going to give us really a historic opportunity to decide what we want to invest those dollars in. And so there are conversations are going on at the, at the state level and give me reason to be incredibly optimistic and hopeful about some of the big things we've been working on for years. Yeah, I probably didn't explain this very well because some of this is already uh, passed legislation and some of it is still being considered as far as additional funding. So there, there's, some of it is already here. Uh, yeah, and yeah, and, and it, all told, the state of North Carolina has about $5.5 billion uh, in uh, ARPA dollars that the General Assembly and the governor will, you know, will decide um, how the state is going to spend. Well, it's interesting. And of course, one of the topics that everybody agrees would be most beneficial to uh, rural North Carolina is the expansion of broadband. Yeah. Because as I think we found out during the pandemic, how important grant broadband is in a number of fronts, education and health being two of them. Absolutely. But, uh, uh, broadband, of course, is expensive when you get into, uh, you know, the less populated areas. 
uh, and yet it is, is the one thing that uh, can really stimulate growth. No question about it. And growth will be next to impossible without broadband. And we know that. And the pandemic really did shine an incredibly bright light on a fact that we already knew, but didn't perhaps know it quite as well as we've learned it in the last 14 months. And that is how essential broadband infrastructure is to life in the 21st century. Uh, whether you're trying to work remotely and keep a job and, and not be a, not being able to be in the office or you've got kids that can't be in school and are trying to do remote learning and keep up with their schoolwork at home uh, or you're trying to get healthcare services and, and do that through uh, telemedicine um, or you're trying to run a small business and, and you need the infrastructure in order to support uh, the remote nature of work during a pandemic. All of those things really did shine a bright light on the, the lack of broadband infrastructure, adequate broadband in many of our rural areas. Uh, and I will also say that there are parts of our urban and suburban counties that are also underserved with rural broadband. So it's not exclusively a rural problem, but certainly as you move to uh, areas of the state with less population, uh, the presence of that infrastructure becomes harder and harder. And it, we can never reach um, you know, those less dense places if we're not willing to subsidize the cost of building it. And so the ARPA, this uh, moment that we're at with these unprecedented level of, of federal dollars coming to the state and we get to decide how do we want to invest those really gives us a, a historic opportunity to not just nibble around the edges, but to take a really big, bold step to ensuring last mile broadband to every home and every small business uh, in the state of North Carolina. And that's kind of the moment of time that we're in. Last week, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, we saw the governor, he rolled out his budget proposal for the ARPA dollars. Included in that plan was $1.2 billion for rural broadband. And, and it was very comprehensive in what he proposed, proposing not only addressing the infrastructure issue, but uh, addressing the issue of affordability that even in some places where the infrastructure uh, exists, not every family can afford uh, to have that service in their home. And third, uh, addressing what is still a digital literacy problem in that we have citizens that, that don't understand the technology or the benefit of the technology, and we need to work on that. Uh, and we need to help people get comfortable with the technology and the training that they need to get online and see the benefit and the change it can make in their life. Um, then last week, we saw the, the North Carolina House roll out uh, a proposal just for the infrastructure piece that totaled $750 million to all 100 counties um, uh, to build broadband infrastructure in unserved and underserved areas. And it passed the North Carolina House unanimously, not a single nay vote, which I think shows you the level of bipartisan commitment for this issue. Well, one of the, uh, you know, you mentioned, and this sort of crosses all sorts of things, but you mentioned the growth of some of the counties was dependent on retirees coming into the state. Yeah. And telemedicine, of course, 
will encourage them to live in the less uh, uh, the areas that are less served by the major hospitals because now with telemedicine, they have more and better access to medical care through telemedicine. That's right. So that's not just for uh, poor and underserved uh, people in that area, but also for retirees and folks who live in those areas, generally speaking, they now have an access to health care that they could never have before. That's right. And those, those individuals, those couples, those families that are making lifestyle choices about where they want to live, they're not, they're not going to go to a rural community that does not have broadband infrastructure. Um, yeah. and, and that is just a given. And, but we live post-COVID, families everywhere are going to be rethinking how they live their life. And some of them are choosing and voting with their feet and moving to less dense areas. And we're going to see rural America benefit from that. And we're probably going to see a slowing down of this trend toward urbanization that we've seen over the last 30, 40 years. I don't think it will it will reverse, but I do think it will slow. And that's a great opportunity for many of our uh, rural communities particularly in a state like North Carolina that has so much to offer from the mountains to the coast, we can really benefit from that. But to take maximum advantage of it, we've got to make sure that last mile broadband is everywhere in this state. The other area that we've been putting on for some time is uh, water and waste infrastructure. A lot of these towns and communities just simply didn't have the money to do it. And most of these systems are now uh, in many cases, more than 100 years old, but they are yeah. all getting close yeah. to 100 years. And, you know, pipes and things wear out. And That's right. so uh, that was going to be a major problem. And, and yet now through the this rescue plan and other action that Congress is looking at, there may be more money for water and waste infrastructure, which, again, will help growth. Yeah, and, and this is a huge issue facing many of our smallest rural towns and counties that own and operate water and sewer infrastructure. Uh, and they also have an opportunity that they haven't seen in a long time to figure out smarter, better ways of managing and operating that infrastructure. But a lot of them are just having to try to live with the hand they've been dealt a lot of that infrastructure was built for an economy that no longer exists, uh, that um, you know, they don't have the same water and sewer customer base that they used to have. With big manufacturing employ, uh, employers or customers in virtually every uh, small town across the state, they're not there anymore. Um, and some of those towns and counties, as we've discussed, have lost population. They've actually lost customer base. So it, it's a very difficult hand that many of these smaller places are dealing with. Um, and uh, this and ARPA, along with uh, state investments, uh, the state of North Carolina invested in something called the Viable Utility Fund last year uh, through the state budget that is really a targeted solution for these smaller communities that need to right size their infrastructure. Any other areas of the American Rescue Plan Act that uh, we want to talk about and how they might, uh, any of the other areas that might affect the, uh, the counties that you are concerned with? 
Yeah, one other area, and it, it goes back to that issue of access to capital for small businesses. But one thing that um, the ARPA uh, does is it reauthorized something called the State Small Business Credit Initiative, uh, which is a program of the U.S. Treasury. Uh, the North Carolina Rural Center, um, it, the program was originally authorized after the Great Recession in 2011. And the North Carolina Rural Center for the past 10 years has deployed that program on behalf of the entire state of North Carolina. And we used about $46 million in federal funds to support small business lending. We have about 30 active bank partners across the state of North Carolina that use uh, the SSBCI programs that the Rural Center operates. And, and we're now recycling that $46 million for the third time. And it supported over a billion dollars in private uh, lending uh, to small businesses across the state of North Carolina. That program has now been reauthorized by ARPA and North Carolina stands to get another $120 million that can be added to North Carolina's SSBCI program. Uh, incredibly significant at an incredibly important time. And I believe we, we are really gonna see uh, the positive impact of that level of investment. Uh, our banks, uh, our, particularly our community banks, are really excited about that. Well, and Congress is looking at more funds. Uh, you wanna comment on that? We are also, uh, Congress is looking and, and it's not at all clear where this is going to, to land, but at a infrastructure package that would ad address a broad range of infrastructure issues, including transportation. Um, I recently served on a, a DOT uh, task force that was looking at long-term North Carolina transportation funding. And we know that we're at a, we're facing a losing population as our main way or a, a losing proposition. Our main way of funding transportation improvements in this state and dealing with the maintenance of bridges and highways um, is through the gas tax. And every year the gas tax is losing ground. Pick up with the, in the next segment and pick up on that, Paul, when we return with the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers and our guest, Patrick Woody. We'll do that right after these messages. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step. But you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry, I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. 
Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Patrick Woody. We've had a very interesting conversation about uh, what's going on in the 80 counties that are represented by the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center, an organization that has started and has as its focus helping those 80 counties to continue to grow and to uh, handle the problems of the 80 counties that are not quite growing as fast or as rapidly as the uh, other 20 counties that are in the uh, more metropolitan areas. One of the things, uh, Patrick, that I wanted to ask you about was population drain. I mean, you know, it, it's really hard when you've got all the advantages of living in the 20 counties that uh, are growing as far as uh, hospitals and uh, uh, entertainment and, and things of that nature. Uh, so uh, this, this, has, this population drain has to be a concern. Uh, the old song, how are you going to keep them down on the farm when they've seen gay pay uh, How do you keep young people interested in returning home to these, uh, these smaller counties, more isolated counties? Uh, what, is there anything you can do along those lines to stem that uh, drain? Yeah, th there is a there's a lot you can do. And I think there's a lot that we are learning how to do. Um, and a really key ingredient to it is the North Carolina Community College system. And that's not to diminish the importance at all of our private colleges and universities or our, our public university system, which also does some incredible job. And I'll just point out that five of the public universities are rural, you know, truly rural um, universities within the UNC system. But those 58 community colleges are really geared toward training in um, in industry, in trades, in technical skills, uh, a lot of them producing, uh, uh, supporting industry and jobs that provide very good livable wages uh, to their employees. And I think one of the things that uh, unfortunately happened uh, with the loss of 350,000 manufacturing jobs is a lot of young people for a while got the message that um, that manufacturing was a dead end career. Uh, we've now seen net new manufacturing job creation over the last seven or eight years. Uh, we're seeing the increased importance of the trades of uh, construction, electricity, plumbing, HVAC, all those kind of things, uh, welding jobs. Uh, we've got an electric electrical grid across this state and across the country that has to be modernized and is going to create some really good high paying job opportunities. Uh, so the community college system in a lot of ways uh, is well positioned uh, to uh, help us address this problem of a brain drain. And what needs to happen at a local level is we need to get really focused on the job opportunities that are in our county, in our town, in our region, close by, that, um, that do provide the opportunity for a really good life uh, and, and make sure the kids know about them. And we need to use our scholarship and our incentives that we have 
to encourage kids to train for a job that exists locally. We have medical deserts in rural areas across, and dental deserts uh, in rural areas across the state where we need more doctors and dentists. Uh, there's no better solution than to uh, home grow a doctor or a dentist and, and educate them and give them an opportunity to come back to the community that they probably love. Um, and, and serve that community. Won't be for everybody, but we can get much more intentional about connecting those dots for young people and, and for the parents of young people uh, so that they can really understand the opportunities that do exist in their own backyard. You know, we've got a number of these counties are on the coast and uh, there's a lot of discussion about wind, wind power. Uh, is that uh, would that be an economic boom for some of those counties? I think clean energy in general is um, a a tremendous opportunity for rural America, and rural North Carolina is no exception. As we move to cleaner energy, um, we are inevitably going to see new industries grow up, uh, and the nature of those industries, such as wind, solar. Um, other types of, of, of clean energy really have implications for, for rural communities that are positive and incredibly significant. Uh, and that is an area that we need to be watching closely and prepared to take advantage of. Well, uh, thank you very much for that update. Now, I'm going to turn to another matter that I'm sure you are focusing on right now. The North Carolina General Assembly is in session and considering legislation. What type of legislation is uh, uh, on the agenda of either the House or the Senate that, uh, that you're watching and how would it affect these 80 counties that you serve? Yeah, uh, so we're watching it very closely. We, it, it is shaping up to be a, 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 a session that we will feel very good about at the end of the day, I think. Uh, I've already mentioned the traction that the broadband issue has within the legislature. That it, that is incredibly significant, and I and I feel really good about where we will end up at the end of session. Uh, we've felt very strongly for a number of years that one of the things we've got to figure out how to do in this state is to get more of our citizens covered by health insurance. And there's a conversation going on at the highest levels about the different ways in which we can accomplish that. And I'm hopeful that when we reach the end of the session, that we will see um, legislation included um, that will address and narrow that coverage gap. Uh, we, we now have uh, probably more than three quarters of a million families across North Carolina that do not have any kind of health care coverage and they're disproportionately rural people. And, and that is uh, something we're very concerned about. And we're optimistic that there's at least uh, bipartisan conversations happening about how do we address that, that problem. I mentioned our small business policy agenda has a lot of uh, traction in both houses of the General Assembly. Uh, there are also water and sewer legislation, uh, legislative bills that are moving and making their way uh, through. We're waiting to see the budget roll out, um, and that'll happen in the coming weeks, and that'll tell us a lot about uh, where the session will end up, but I can tell you that from our perspective, also on housing, 
some indications that there's going to be uh, some really significant uh, increased investments in housing. And I don't know of a rural community, an urban or a suburban community where housing is not a top concern. And, and we're likely to see uh, investment in housing uh, that we haven't seen um, in, in a long, long time in this state. Um, and it, it gives me reason to be optimistic about this moment in time and what the outcome might be when we get toward the middle of summer and we get toward a budget deal. Say 12 months from right now, or maybe 14 months, we were all fearful that the state budget was going to be limited, but actually the state's uh, resources turned out pretty well. The pandemic did not hurt the state budget nearly as much as we had. Uh, well, it didn't help hurt it much at all, but we feared it was going to be a disaster. And so we're really lucky in that regard. Let me ask you about K-12 yes. because that's a, uh, some of these counties are very small and have small school systems. That's that's another problem of how it do is. you run a K-12 well, when you've got a small school system. Yeah, and educate, well, and let me just say that when the rural center started and for the first 25 years of our existence, the thing that was, the thing we focused on was how are we doing from an educational attainment standpoint? And the measurement for many years was what is the high school graduation rate? And that's what we were really hyper-focused on. And today, what we understand and know about this world that we live in and how fast, how fast it changes and how rapidly technology is advancing, that you really need people, individuals that are committed to lifelong learning. And so the earlier that we can get kids into education, structured educational programming, the better they perform over their lifetime. And it affects their learning uh, their earning capacity over their lifetimes. And we know that a high school diploma is no longer the measurement of success. We've got to work to get the percentage of our uh, adults uh, that have educational attainment beyond a high school diploma up significantly in order to meet the job demands um, of the future. That's a, that's a huge um, challenge to us. Um, and funding our K-12 system is incredibly important. Reaching into our K-12 system and preparing kids for, for real work in the real world, uh, in the places where they live is a great opportunity um, that we, that where we can do a better job. And you alluded earlier to the importance of the community college system uh, in that uh, particular aspect as well, because uh, we, we are fortunate to have one of the best in the country. Yes, we are. And the envy of much of the rest of the country and of countries around the world come to look at the North Carolina Community College system. Well, it, it's one of our crown jewels and, and probably uh, can always stand some additional funding because of the uh, great impact it has on how we live and how it affects uh, our lifestyle. Any other legislation uh, before uh, the General Assembly that you're watching? I think we've covered um, all of the really significant pieces. I'll mention one other bill that we have an interest in, and it's a Truth in Small Business Lending Act. Um, as, as, as you know, and probably most of our listeners know, if you go to a bank and get a loan, there's complete transparency in what does the credit cost you over the life of the loan? 
but if you borrow from a non-regulated lender, uh, which may be nonprofit, may be uh, for-profit, may be online only, may not even have a presence in this state, we've seen some really egregious examples of, of predatory lending at a time after disaster during the pandemic when businesses and business owners are at their most vulnerable. And we support this new piece of legislation that's really focused on uh, just providing full transparency to the borrower uh, from non-regulated lenders so that the borrower knows what they're signing up for when they take a small business loan with one with a non-regulated lender. Patrick, thank you very much for this update on what's happening. Patrick Woody, president of the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center, has been our guest. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. Or if you would like to hear the two segments that you might have missed if you're listening to the half-hour version, you can also do the same thing. Program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another great guest for us again next week on the same group of stations. Till next week, have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.